minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national and international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Across Australia, north, south, east, west, up and down, all around. It is This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. And if you missed the program, don't despair. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. This program is produced from the studios of Melbourne's Community Radio 3CR and is heard across Australia via the Community Radio Network, if you wonder what anarchy is all about, simple concept, anarchos without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? You devolve power, share wealth. How do you evolve power? By incorporating as many people in the decision-making process regarding the decisions which affect them. That's a direct democratic principle. So simple principles, nothing radical about it, very boring. You know, anarchism is very boring, all about egalitarianism all about devolving power, all about sharing wealth. If you really want to get excited, you know, go join, you know, go join the uh, the Groper administration or one of these political parties that loves to, you know, point at the other. I mean, that is radical stuff when you allow some unelected or elected leader to tell you, ruler to tell you how to live your life. That is really radical stuff. So if you want the the conservative that's right the conservative alternative anarchism is for you equal power equal wealth simple concept why those principles it's the best way that i can think of and many other hundreds of thousands of people have thought about by which to create a society without rulers without hierarchies simple very simple. There is nothing difficult about it. You don't need to do a PhD. You don't need to go to school. All you need to do is think about it for two or three minutes and, hey, bingo, you'll be born again. Now, now look, I'd like to start off with a philosophical discussion, which I think is you're going to hear more and more about in the next decade because we do have a problem. Now, I remember when I was a youngster many, many, many decades ago, not as many decades ago as that, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders have been on uh, the continent of Australia, but many decades ago, I was told to be working a 10-hour week by the year 2020. Unfortunately, if you look at all the statistics, if you do have a full-time job, and that is a uh, bit of a unicorn these days, having a full-time job, we're finding that people are working more and more hours, 50 hours, 60 hours, 70 hours a week. If you've got part-time jobs, you'll be doing the same thing if you can. So I'd like to look at the concept of the universal basic income 
in an age of automation and artificial intelligence because it affects each and every one of us and it affects the type of societies we're going to create and what we need is a different mindset as automation and artificial intelligence become realities. Because with over 7 billion people on the planet, we will, nev- we will not be in a situation where you can actually link income to labour. You can't link income to physical labour because you want- we are not going to need <clears throat> 7 p- billion people you know, to work 60 hours a day in order to survive or more importantly, in order to make profits for that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. So what's a universal basic income? And in case you think this is some type of radical idea, it, it's nothing, nothing like, not a radical idea. The Romans were doing it 2,000 years ago. When the Roman Empire became an empire and uh, wealth was pouring in from all the places in Europe and the Middle East they'd conquered, there's really no need for Roman citizens, both patricians and plebeians, to work because with a slave-owning class, you know, he didn't need to work. So how did the Romans, the Roman ruling class classes, overcome the problem? Bread and circuses. We know the term bread and circuses. At the height of the Roman Empire, 154 days were designated public holidays where Plebeians were welcome to come to the Colosseum and see people being ripped apart. And they had subsidised food, shelter, the list goes on and on. So the Roman Empire resolved its problem of what to do with all these plebeians who had political power but whose labour wasn't needed, what to do with them. And bread and circuses was the, was the answer. Now, as we move into the 21st century and people talk about automation and artificial intelligence and the fact that in the next 10 years or so, 40% of jobs as we know them in Western society will no longer be needed and most of them will disappear, what you are going to do with people becomes a critical issue and a critical debating point. How his wealth is going to be distributed becomes a critical issue and a critical, as I said before, a critical debating point because it determines the society we have. And if you want to look at what happens when the ruling classes decide that those with political power, that's, you know, those who vote, are really no longer redundant, look at the film Sullivan Green, which was made over 30 years ago and see what happened in that situation. And that's the dilemma. Do we all share in this bounty or do we allow that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication to continue to dominate society and continue to maximise their profits at the expense of the majority? So the idea of a universal basic income is a very anarchistic concept. It is not based on money or trade or barter. It bases on the idea that wealth is held in common. That because you are a member of that society, you're automatically guaranteed 
the basic necessities. Unlike 21st century Australia, where unless you've got some type of income, a reasonable income, you are not guaranteed the basic necessities of society as we see more and more people concerned about heating and energy and housing and food, education, and the list goes on and on. So what is going to be needed is a 180-degree turn on that deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation superhighway that's been created over the last 40 years by that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. We need to stop and turn round and say, enough is enough. The struggle for a universal basic income will become the predominant struggle in post-industrial societies. The dominant struggle. The fact that labour is no longer tied, directly tied, to income. And this will have hugely positive benefits for the community as a whole. You either increase the nation's security agencies and you keep people in gated slums and keep them barely alive, or you create a society where you can allow people to fulfil their potential and contribute back to society. And that's what a universal basic income does. It stops you spending 90% of your time trying to get an income and 10% of your time enjoying that income. So it'll be a huge change in the way resources are allocated, in the way the financial sector dominates activity in 21st century Australia, a huge change in what people expect from life and a huge change in how people use all that extra time because we could reach a situation quite quickly within a decade of people only needing to work 15 hours a week or 10 hours a week to meet those basic human needs and make society tick over with automation and artificial intelligence. Obviously, this depends on the development of automation and artificial intelligence, which seems to be developing it in leaps and bounds. So these are community issues. These are central to who we are and what we can become. And that's the key, what type of society we can become. And these are discussions we should be having now in order to give people the opportunity to look at ways via which everybody in the community, in the society we live in, has their basic human needs met by society while creating excess wealth in a sustainable way. So think about it. Universal, hum- universal basic income, 
automation, artificial intelligence, the direction society is going to go. Is it going to be more of the same or are we going to turn around, tear up the deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation, superhighway and create a different society which is based on the satisfaction of real, not manufactured human needs? And if you think this is new, it is not new. Those of you buffs, history buffs, have a look at the patrician plebeian struggles during the Roman Empire and how that was resolved. Their automation was slavery. Their automation was empire building. And that's what the history of the West has been over the last three or four century. Empire building, enslaving other people, using their resources to enrich themselves. We've now reached a point in history where we don't need human labour to the degree that it was needed in the past. We've reached a point in history where automation and artificial intelligence can transform the type of society we live in. It can be transformed into a slave society where the majority of people are basically uh, you know, living in uh, very, very basic conditions. And the Sullivan Green movie is a good example of that thinking. Or we can create a society, an anarchistic society, a society based on the sharing of our commonwealth, a society based on the devolution of power, a society where each and every one of us and our children and grandchildren have the potential to develop themselves to their fullest potential, not just for their own individual wealth, but for the wealth, security and strength of the community as a whole. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Now, there's a lot of events coming up. Yes, we keep creating events. And why do we keep creating events? We keep creating events to try to drag you out of that little room you're living in. There is a community out there. And if you don't live where these events are... Con- are held, you too can create similar events in your part of Australia. It takes a little bit of imagination, a little bit of courage, not much courage, a little bit of imagination, a little bit of courage, and hey presto, before you know it, you've got a uh, mass movement based on principles which are diametrically opposed to the principles which regulate the way we live today. Now, every Wednesday starting at 6pm, from about 6pm to 9pm, no later than 9pm, I'm holding a little bit of a uh, get-together in Melbourne at a restaurant, the uh, Conjo Ethiopian restaurant at uh, 20 Smith Street in Collingwood, which is almost directly opposite the uh, studios at 3CR in Melbourne. Bit of a conversation, bit of a get-together, uh, good company, good food. What else do you want? Wednesday night, the big uh, wasteland, the midweek wasteland. Come along, bit of laughter, bit of conversation, find out what people are doing, enjoy yourself. Open. We will continue this for a few more months, see how it goes. Some nights there's lots of people, some nights there's hardly anybody. But it's there. 6pm every Wednesday, Conjo Ethiopian Restaurant, 20 Smith Street in Collingwood in Melbourne. Welcome. You can do the same thing in your city. Set up a little bit of a social gathering. 
you know, drag people out of their dining rooms, drag people out of their computer rooms, drag people from their mobile phones, some human interaction. Who knows what happens from that human interaction? You may have new groups forming, new associations, but you need to be there to be part of it. All right? Simple. Again, if you want to make a donation to assist me pay my broadcasting fees, well and good. If you don't, well and good, but you're all welcome. Turn up, organise something in your part of the world. Now, on Saturday the 5th of August, I'll be doing a little bit of a walk. Yes, a walk. It's about time we had a bit of walking. A little bit of a walk at the Old Ballarat Cemetery at the corner of MacArthur Street and Creswick Road in Ballarat. And uh, we'll be doing a walk around the Eureka Graves, discussing what the Eureka Rebellion was all about, pay our respects to those people who paid the ultimate price in their struggle for uh, freedom. This is at 11am on Saturday the 5th of August. Uh, you meet, we meet at 11am at the Eureka Mass Grave. You just get to the old Ballarat Cemetery and just walk up the pathway. You can't miss it. Don't go to the new Ballarat Cemetery because you won't find us. It's the old Ballarat Cemetery at the corner of MacArthur Street and Creswick Road in Ballarat. And uh, that'll be followed by a barbecue lunch at 12.30. So about an hour talk and walk. Then uh, down to Camp Street, 26 Camp Street, Trades Hall in Ballarat. No, we're not having the barbecue lunch in the cemetery. You can relax. The barbecue lunch will be at Trades Hall. Uh, food will be available. You can buy drinks at the Trades Hall Bar. You don't have to book. You don't have to ring anybody. Just turn up. If you turn up, well and good. If you don't, well, there's other things always happening. But if you're interested, if you are interested in the lessons of the Eureka Rebellion, what they've got to do with the devolution, the struggle for the devolution of power and the sharing of wealth, if you want to put flesh and bones on the people involved... If you want to pay your respects, great day. That's Saturday the 5th of August, 11am, the Eureka Mass Grave, Old Ballarat Cemetery. I'll be hosting the talk and the uh, Ballarat Trades and Labor Council will be hosting the barbecue. So pop in, 11am to the cemetery, 12.30 for the barbecue lunch at Trades Hall Ballarat. Join us. As I said before, bookings aren't necessary as far as the barbecue lunch is concerned, a small donation will go a long way to assisting people pay for that lunch and obviously you can buy your drinks there. So it could be a great day. And after that's finished, you can see what's left of Ballarat. You can go to the uh, Museum of Australian Democracy at Eureka if you wish. Have a look there. Have a look around. You know, enjoy yourself. A good reason to get out, you know, get out of the city or uh, meet some like-minded people. All right, let's move on. Interesting, isn't it? We now have the uh, the alternative Liberal Party masquerading as the Australian Labor Party talking about reforms to the taxation system because, guess what? People have finally realised... People have finally realised that the taxation system has a few flaws in it because the more you earn easier it is to minimise your taxation legally. The less you earn, 
or if you're one of those poor pay as you earn taxpayers who are responsible for about 67 cents in every dollar which is collected in taxation in the land of Oz, you've got a problem. And it looks like there's a little bit of blowback happening regarding the, you know, you're regarding the advantages the investment class 9 to 10% of Australians have in this country. And the Australian Labor Party is talking about legislation regarding negative gearing, legislation regarding trusts, and obviously they need to be congratulated for that. But again, they're talking about small bickies. They may kind of rake in about $2 billion with their uh, new trust laws and about 2 to $3 million a year with their new uh, negative gearing laws. But isn't it time we looked at different forms of taxation? Taxation processes which those with the good accountants cannot get out of. Taxation's at the point of sale, like, you know, that's what the goods and services take. It was introduced so that every Australian, including people on Social Security benefits, would pay. Well, what's wrong, and I've raised this issue before on this program, what's wrong with introducing a 1% stock market turnover tax? I mean, automation is a negative and a positive, but in this situation it's a positive. That tax can be collected at the point of sale, at the point you buy. So if you sell a share, bingo, 1% goes into, comes into taxation revenue. You sell a share, 1%. It's not a tax deduction. It's a straight up and down tax, a little bit like payroll tax, you know, on the tax the, that businesses play for the number of employees they, they, um, they have on their books. Now, a 1% stock market turnover tax would raise between 25 to $28 billion per year. That's a 5% increase in the total budgetary expense of the nation. Think of all the things you can do with $28 billion. And that's a simple 1% stock market turnover tax. And I can see all those of you who've got superannuation saying, Oh, woe is me, I will get less when I retire. Relax. Because that 1% stock market turnover tax will help your children and grandchildren to be educated. It will help to improve the healthcare system. may even help to improve access to public housing. And the list goes on and on. So there are immediate benefits for people, whether you have superannuation or not. Immediate benefits in terms of the money raised, which can then be used to look after the needs of society as a whole. Now, these, are, these, are, these aren't revolutionary ideas. These are simple reformist ideas, which I shouldn't really be pursuing, but in an era of universal deceit, my apologies to George Orwell, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. And the fact is that nobody's willing to look at ways of ensuring that those who make the most, pay the most. Isn't it time we looked at taxation um, mechanisms via which we can actually raise capital? And if it starts in Australia, who knows? It may start in the rest of the world because it's a very easy tax to apply. It's a very easy tax, just like having a super highway from the stock market to the Treasury. Simple. 
Think about it. Think about it. We need to think laterally. We need to think in a different way about these things because if we continue to think in the old ways, you will find the same people will find new loopholes so they don't actually pull their weight in this society. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Scar. I'm hosting today's program. Now, uh, look, I'm pleased to announce that uh, my late wife, Ellen Jose's obituary, appeared in the age on the 1st of August. And I encourage you to have a look at it. Obviously, if you don't buy a paper, you know, a dead tree copy or a legacy copy, it's up there on the net. So have a look at it. You know, it's, uh, I mean, she was an extraordinary woman. Those of you who knew, knew her would know that, and those of you who don't will learn about her. So the obituary is there for you to have a look at, and I encourage you to have a look at it. Uh, I think it's... Uh, it's uh, one way we can acknowledge people who've gone, who've died, uh, acknowledge what they've done, acknowledge what they, what they try to do. I mean, we've all got, uh, we all have uh, feats of clay, but uh, sometimes we can actually drag ourselves out of that clay and make a difference. And Ellen Jose, my late wife and partner for the last 43 years, was one of those people who dragged her feet out of that clay and made a difference. So if you want to learn more about her, you can uh, have a look at the obituary in the age from the uh, 1st of August. If you haven't got a paper copy, uh, you can uh, look it up on the, uh, on, their, uh, on the net. All right, let's move on. Now... The 6th, around September, will be the 40th anniversary of the anarchist world this week. Quite extraordinary when you think about it. It's the 40th anniversary of the anarchist world this week. And on Wednesday, the 6th of September, we will be holding a special live outside broadcast to which all our listeners are invited to come in person. I'm in the process of nailing down a venue and obviously it'll be followed by lunch, which there'll be a cost for. So this is something to put in your diary. That's Wednesday the 6th of September, 10am to 11am, live broadcast, uh, and then followed by a discussion and lunch. So put that in your diary and uh, we will talk more about that uh next week so 40 years what have I got to show for 40 years of broadcasting I don't particularly know I'm still in the same room looking at the same four walls but at least we don't have egg cartons as insulation anymore we've actually got painted walls although the the painting uh, decor could has got a lot to be desired you know it always gets a little bit confusing when you've got three the roof is the a different colour to the uh, wall on one side and a different colour to the wall on the other side but that's life, as they say. So 40 years of broadcast, the Anarchist World this week, uh, via the com- studio of Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne in the last 15 years via the Community Radio Network across Australia. So we've got something to celebrate, so we will be having an open live broadcast outside the studio on the 6th of September 
I'll tell you more about that. Uh, so if you're down in Melbourne on that day, pop along, meet some like-minded people, enjoy yourself. Uh, so that's another little thing that we've got um, organised for you. And talking about other things that have been organised, well, these, the Melbourne Anarchist Book Fair, which happens every year at the uh, Brunswick slash Moreland Town Hall in Sydney Road in uh, Brunswick from uh, 10am to 6pm on uh, Saturday the 12th of September. Sorry, my apologies. Saturday the 12th of August, only about a fortnight away. Saturday the 12th of August, uh, 10am to 6pm. Uh, I'll be having a, the Unexperienced Institute will be having a... Uh, little stall there, we're part of the book fair, so come along, say hello, uh, introduce yourself, become a member of uh, public interest before corporate interest, we're always looking for new members so we can register public interest before corporate interest as a uh, political party which puts the the welfare of the many before the welfare of the few, so uh, that's uh, on Saturday the 12th of August. And just in case there's, you've still got nothing to do and you haven't found anything of any interest, to you, you may uh, public interest before corporate interest is having a picnic yes, in mid-August, it should be alright, on Sunday the next day after, that's Sunday the 13th of August, that's the next day after the Anarchist Book Fair in Brunswick in Melbourne, and that picnic will be held at Rotary Park in Rosebud on the outer Mornington Peninsula, and that's at 1449 Point Nepean Road Rosebud, if you can't find that, it's behind the skate park. All welcome. Bring your own food and drinks. Join in. Maybe we can form a, a branch of public interest before corporate interest down that part of the world. Uh, Rosebud, um, Rye, Sorrento, Dramana, Safety Beach. And the list goes on and on. You know, so uh, it's an attempt to form a branch down there of public interest before corporate interest. Uh, everybody's welcome. Join us, 11am to 2pm, Sunday the 13th of August, and uh, I personally will be going to that. Always like to go uh, where the water is, and uh, Rotary Park is, and if the day's good enough, you can actually jump in the water and f- freeze. <laughs> but that's up to you. So I said before, things are moving, and that's what this is about. The Anarchist World this week is not just to about providing analysis. Anybody can provide analysis, right? Anybody can, and there's analysis every day. There's the commentarian, you know, people who comment on what's happening. And you've got, you know, orthodox people who comment on things in an orthodox manner, and you've got people who comment on things in a different manner. So, you know, people are commenting all the time, but the difference between the anarchist world this week and the rest of the people who comment is that we encourage you to take action. We organise, through the Anarchist Music Institute, we organise events and activities for you to take part in. We attempt to organise social and political movements which go beyond clicking a button on your uh, mouse or go beyond talking about things. And this is what we've talked about today. We've talked about, you know, the, uh, the function, the walk-talk at the Old Ballarat Cemetery, the Anarchist Book Fair, the Public Interest Before Corporate Interest Picnic, the Wednesday Night 
get-togethers at the Konjo Ethiopian Restaurant in Melbourne at 20 Smith Street, starting at 6pm. And the list goes on and on. Constantly organising things to get like-minded people together to take action. Because change doesn't come from understanding. Understanding helps to motivate people to take action. And that's what the Anarchist World this week is about. It's trying to encourage you and motivating you to become involved, whether it's the the Melbourne-based Wednesday Action Group, whether it's a group in your part of the world, if there's no like-minded groups, you form your own groups. A little bit of imagination, a little bit of elbow grease, a little bit of effort, a few cents, and hey, bingo, before you know it, you may have a political movement growing in your part of the universe. But again, it takes action and we need to initiate change. I'll give you an example. Defend and extend public housing, Australia. Now, we were approached last year, public interest before corporate interest was approached last year, at the end of last year, to assist the public housing campaign because in Victoria, as in many other states, not all states, but many other states, the government agenda, whether it's the Labor Party as in Victoria or the Liberal National Party in New South Wales, the government agenda is to privatise public housing and wash their hands of the responsibility of providing shelter and housing and security to those people who can't either enter the private rental market or the private housing market. We were asked to become involved. We became involved. We set up Defend and Extend Public Housing. There's a Facebook page you can go to, Defend and Extend Public Housing. You can go to the Facebook page, you can have a look at what we're doing, and our next rally will be on Wednesday the 9th of August, midday sharp, outside Parliament House, Spring Street in Melbourne. So every month we're organising a rally on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House because what we want is very simple. We want a protection of what's there, an extension of what's there. It's very simple. And one of our major policies, defend and extend public housing policies, is to ensure the $6 billion that's collected in Victoria in stamp duty on the sale of houses every year, sorry, on the purchase of houses in every year, is earmarked for public housing. And if that $6 billion is earmarked for public housing, you can create, through spot purchasing or building, an extra twenty to 25,000 housing units and houses every year for the public housing list, which means within 10 years you could accommodate up to a million people in public housing. Simple concept. doesn't take revolutionary change. doesn't take revolutionary change. All it takes is a uh, vote in both houses of parliament. And why should public housing be everybody's business? Because that's going to be our new slogan for the rally on the 9th of August. Public housing, everybody's business. It's simple. We have a housing affordability crisis in Australia. I'm going to concentrate on Victoria because that's what I'm familiar with and that's where Defend and Extend Public Housing is currently active. That doesn't mean you can't form a Defend and Extend Public Housing group in your corner of the world and affiliate with us. Very simple. 
but this is the area I'm familiar with. So why is public housing everybody's business? It's simple. It's really so simple. And that's why it's extraordinary to see the how far the Alternative Liberal Party, masquerading as Australian Labor Party in Victoria, will go to privatise the public housing sector. It's a, it's a simple concept. You have a strong public housing sector in the state or in any state or in Australia. It directs its access, comp, direct competition with the private housing sector. Direct competition. You have a weak public housing sector. It doesn't help. They do what they like, as they do now. So what would say if you had, if you did allocate that $6 billion every year, which is raised in stamp duty in Victoria, towards managing, repairing and buying and building new public houses, and you had a million people living in public housing by the end of the, uh, by, uh, you know, 2027, what would that mean as far as, how would, it, how would it affect everybody else? Because public housing isn't just an issue for public housing tenants and public housing isn't just an issue for people on the public housing waiting list. Public housing is everybody's business. If you have a strong public housing sector, you put downward pressure on rents. That means that rents would be reduced, especially at the lower end of the rental market because there's direct competition between the public sector and the private sector. If rents are reduced, you would find that housing prices would be reduced as investors who dominate the marketplace as far as rental rentals are concerned, would leave the market and sell those property, which would allow younger people or people who haven't got their own home to enter the housing market at a much lower rate. So it's everybody's business. If you rent, it's your business. If you try to buy a home or help get the bank to help you buy a home, it's your business. If you have a mortgage and you've got children, it's your business because you'd like to see your children and grandchildren have safe access to safe, secure housing. So it becomes your business. And if you're an investor, that 8% of Australians who are part of the investment class, people of disposable income who can use this country's investment taxation-friendly laws to minimise their tax by increasing their wealth, it becomes your business because if there is a weak public housing sector, you have more homelessness, you have more crime, you need to spend more on security, you have less cohesion in the community, you have more uh, violent confrontation. So a, strong, so a strong public housing sector is everybody's business. It's the business of people who are in public housing who face the very real possibility of being evicted and rehoused in unsuitable housing. It is the business of people on the public waiting housing list because it means they will get public housing sooner. It is the business of the 40% of Victorians or 35% of Victorians who currently rent because it means that rents will decrease the lower end of the market. 
It is the business of young people and older people who are trying to get their foot in the housing market because it means that, especially at the lower end of the market, that prices will fall as investors flee the market. It is the business of the investment class because it means they have a more secure lifestyle because of decreased homelessness and decreased crime and uh, anger in the community. So a strong public housing, building a strong public housing sector is everybody's business. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's right, 3cr.org.au. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Now, a few other websites you may be interested in looking at. You could look at my uh, personal Facebook page, Toscano, the number four of the public, Toscano for the public. All of the things that we're involved in will go up on that Facebook page. <clears throat> Have a look. There's a fort bubble almost every day. Just enough, some ideas which I'm, you know, kind of growing in my head, which I like to share with people on the Facebook page. I mean, uh, I mean, for 22 years we put out the Anarchist Age Weekly Review, a thousand issues. Uh, I think it's about 22 years. I mean, uh, we can't continue doing that because of uh, increasing costs. But the Daily Fort Bubbles is one way of actually uh, sharing ideas with listeners of the program and people who are on the net. So. Uh, that's uh, Toscano for the public. You can go to a number of websites. You can go to the Anarchist Media Institute, anarchistmedia.org, have a look at what's happening, uh, log into that website. You can go to uh, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, that's PIBCI, P-I-B-C-I, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, log into that website. You, you can go to the Public Interest Before Corporate Interest Facebook page. You can go to the Defend and Extend Public Housing Facebook page. And we've got another Facebook page which will be we will be putting up in the next few weeks, which will be a big, big surprise for everybody because obviously the trick about life is not to stand still, not to sit on your laurels, not to wait for that special day because there's never going to be any special day. Transition from the society we have to the society we want comes on multiple fronts. That transition is fanned by people on multiple areas of activity. That's the way it goes. It's not just about waiting for the magic moment where we'll all be changed. It doesn't happen that way. As we see in revolutionary situations, many of the societies which are created from the ashes of the old are much, much worse than the societies they are overthrew because there hasn't been that preparatory phase where people know and understand the type of structures they want to set up in order to create that society without rulers. So this constant struggle that we're involved in is part of that journey to create that new world in our hearts. All right, now a few more bits and pieces, just bits and pieces. As I, said, as I keep saying, not much I can do about what's happening in the rest of the world, but I'm happy to talk about it because it gives us an idea of what's going on. Now, you've got to be a little bit frightened if you're an Australian today. You've got President Groper there in the US of A, dysfunctional. 
dysfunctional, totally dysfunctional. Look, I don't care if America, you know, has got a dysfunctional president. That's their problem. They elected him to office, courtesy of the Russians. That's, that's their problem. They'll sort it out sooner or later. But what concerns me is when you have a, a dysfunctional president who has an extraordinary amount of power, almost as much as an emperor, although there obviously there are all these checks and balances in the American political system, you have to be very worried about a person who can push a button and change the face of the world. And that's the problem of having a dysfunctional president in the US of A. Not only does it allow other authoritarian regimes like Russia and China to uh, you know, put their heads above the parapet and, and flex their uh, political and, more importantly, their military muscles, but when one individual who's obviously got a number of problems to deal with could change the course of the universe by pressing a button or two, then we've got a problem. And Australia's a particularly big problem because we welded into the US military-industrial complex. Over the last four to five years, we've seen an increased interaction between the United States military and the Australian military, the United States government and the Australian government, to such an extent that we're becoming a base for the United States military in their ongoing struggle against the Chinese Communist Party. So if you think North Korea is the problem, well, North Korea is not a problem, irrespective of whether they become a nuclear power or not, irrespective of whether they got into continental missiles or not, they press one button, there'll be so many uh, nuclear bombs aimed at North Korea, it'll be wiped off the face of the earth. But our problem is the fact that as we're welded to the military alliance of the United States of America and they have bases in this country, as they've had for decades, we've got real issues in terms of if there is, you know, if the groper kind of fingers slip and hits one of those nuclear buttons, then we've got a huge problem in terms of being a natural target not just from the North Koreans, but the Chinese, the Russians, the list goes on and on. So think about it. So is it in our best interest to continue that alliance? Is it in our best interest as a country to be a, you know, the fifty-first state, to have, a, you know, to be, you know, fifty-second state? I should say, like, you know, have bases here. Think about it. So if you're worried about North Korean missiles, forget about that. What I would be worried about is the fact that we are the United States' main military ally on planet Earth and we are already potential targets. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. And talking about pathetic, I don't think there's anything more pathetic than the uh, the Philippine president. I mean, here they are, still trying to dislodge a few hundred militants, uh, Muslim... Uh, fundamentalist militants from uh, town in the southern Philippines while they continue their ridiculous extrajudicial campaign executing drug dealers and users across the country. Extrajudicial killing, not just of uh, low-level operatives but mayors, political opponents, while they can't even, you know, 
overcome a few hundred uh, Muslim fundamentalist militants. Quite an extraordinary situation in the Philippines. I think it highlights how dysfunctional a lot of countries are becoming around the world. Quite dysfunctional. Very dysfunctional. And, you know, I'd hate to be one of those people who voted for the Groper because all those wonderful things were going to happen for them. You know, the Rust Belt was going to be reborn. Well, it's a problem, isn't it? It is a problem. It is a real problem. And unfortunately, we really have to rely on all those people in the United States and the Philippines who are fighting against these idiots. And my apologies to idiots to comparing the Groper and, yeah, what's his name, Duterte, you know, uh, with idiots, because I'm sure idiots wouldn't act in that fashion. So you've got all these fascinating things happening. You've got the um, Thai military that's in charge of Thailand. We're seeing the disintegration of southern Sudan, the world's newest uh, nation, and the list goes on and on and on about what's happening around the world. And it is a problem because... Many of these countries are nominal parliamentary democracies. I mean, the United States is a parliamentary democracy. The Philippines is a parliamentary democracy. Thailand was a parliamentary democracy before the military coup. Australia is a parliamentary democracy. And the dilemma is that the experiment with parliamentary democracy around the world over the past century has failed. And it has failed miserably because the power of parliament has been usurped by unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to make ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders. So representative democracy has turned out not to be rule of the people, by the people, for the people. And that there is a real existential crisis, real angst, regarding the future of representative democracy. Because representative democracy is a simple concept. You give a representative a signed blank cheque to make decisions for you for the next three to four years, hoping they will keep their promises. And it's a real issue in Australia because there is no mechanism via which you can recall a non-performing politician, you can recall a politician who changes their political allegiances midstream. There is no right of recall for the elector. And the dilemma when you have a parliamentary democracy which is dominated by political parties is those representatives who are pre-selected by the political parties, their primary responsibility in their future is not tied to them servicing their electorate. Their prime responsibility is to the political party they are members of. And then to make matters worse, we find... You can have all the power you like, but if you don't have the wealth to implement those decisions which are made because wealth is stuck to the hands of a minority, then you have real issues in terms of providing for the basic human needs of the people you represent. And that's what we're seeing in Australia today, a stratification of society. So parliamentary democracy is at the crossroads. It is an animal that has died. The carcass is rotting. It needs to be chucked away and a few new form of democracy be introduced. And that new form of democracy is direct democracy. 
It's a democracy which is the rule of the people, by the people, for the people. It's a democracy which takes back the levers of power. It's a democracy which is based on creating an egalitarian community. It's a democracy which is based on the idea of removing rulers. So these are new ideas. And the new ideas we've been talking about today, which fit in nicely, are the universal basic income as automation and artificial intelligence grows bigger and bigger in the future of our society. The repeal of the idea of a representative democracy and in transformation of the society into a society based on direct democratic principles, a society where wealth is held in common. Think about it. A lot of things to think about, a lot of things to go to. Don't forget, if you listen to this program every Wednesday night, Conjo Ethiopian Restaurant, 20 Smith Street, Collingwood in Melbourne, dinner, lazy dinner, lazy conversation, a bit of a laugh, meet like-minded people, enjoy yourself. 5th of August, Saturday the 5th of August, 11am, Old Ballarat Cemetery in Ballarat. Uh, a walk around the Eureka Graves, talk about the uh, Eureka Rebellion, down to uh, the barbecue which has been hosted by Ballarat Trades Hall, 26 Camp Street in Ballarat, 12.30. All welcome. You don't have to book, just turn up. A lot of things happening. Don't forget the following week, um, 9th of August, Defend and Extend Public Housing Rally, Public Housing Everybody's Business Rally, on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. You start organising, a lot of things happening, join us, change society, and if you don't change society, you're going to have a bloody good time doing it. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week via those wonderful folk at the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. I've been hosting this program. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. A-U. You can ring me on 0439 395 489. Leave a message 0439 395 489. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can go to the Anarchist Media Institute website, anarchistmedia.org. anarchistmedia.org. You can have a look at my uh, late wife's obituary in the uh, age from the f- 1st of August. Go to the web their website. You can become a member of public interest before corporate interest. Download the application form from pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net. You can go to my personal Facebook page, Toscano for the public. Read the Fort Bubbles. Remember, you want change? I can only talk about it. We can organise, but it's up to you whether that change occurs. You can live the life as you've been living now, or you can change it tomorrow. Get up away from that computer, leave the couch, Open the front door. There's a whole world in front of you that you can change. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Listen in next week. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah!